This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. Mike White, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Still can't do the music. The music. <laughs> uh, yeah, after the chips incident. <laughs> yes. Oh god. I, Please don't. We should just like start singing different theme songs. <laughs> Standing tall oh, on the wings of my dreams. Step Rise by step. Day by day. Day by day. Fresh start over, different hands and play. You don't remember that? My God. Oh, I remember it. I remember it. Great show. I never watched it. I never watched it. Oh, really? Step by step. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition, the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls. Wow, At that was point? really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, like I also did the full house theme. Thank you. you know, when you started, I kind of, I got, I got that vibe. I couldn't remember it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you channeled that guy really well. You did. Thanks. That was good. Was and I've got nothing. Shows from yeah. the nineties. Family Matters. Nice. I love that show. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I've got, I've got nothing in terms of theme music. I have like. Which is supposed to be the lost theme song. <laughs> That's about it. It's a, it's a, it's I a theme you were sound. Thinking. I thought that was no. thinking. It's, it's a theme sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, a metaphor for the entire actually, show. Have you guys, you're guys heard the the theme song to the uh, to the Girl Meets World show? Uh, I I started listening to it, but uh, I didn't. Then I carried on living my life. Um, yeah. No, well, uh, it's weird, and, and yeah. you can watch the like the the you know the intro, the theme intro. Okay, that's what kind of turned me off because I, what I was watching was just audio only, and I was like, oh, I gotcha. thought we were gonna have the whole thing. But how? First of all, how do you feel about that in general? Because I know you're a big Boy Meets World fan. Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's it, it's weird. Um, it's weird for a lot of reasons. I, I went back to watch Boy Meets World uh, recently, and I and I couldn't even make it through the first season mm-hmm. uh it's a little too cheesy hasn't aged well and so you know i think there's more when the show comes out i can talk a little bit more about what the show meant to me and and uh i can talk about you know the comparing the two but uh i'm reminded most of of how young teens are uh portrayed on tv these days the, the way these girls dress they do not look like 12 year olds and that is crazy Oh wow! You sound like an old man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. I I became old just recently. Yeah. Yeah. We had a long conversation about eyesight in classes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah that's inter- It's going to be interesting. Uh, it's. I'll I, give it a shot. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a Disney show. It's not going to. We're not in the demographic at all for it. No. Which is going to be interesting. Seeing it from. Speak there. for yourself, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, damn it, tiny. Uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be something. Yeah. Um, cool. But today on the podcast, we are talking about a um, 
a topic that I'm personally really excited about this, and I know you guys are pretty excited too. I know Mike is especially excited. Yes, yeah. Tiny York. I've been excited well. all day, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, I, I'll let you I'll let you say what the topic is, but okay. it's an interesting topic because when I tell my friends and I tell people what we were talking about tonight, I say, okay, this is what we're talking about, and you'll be surprised that it's actually a genre. Because yeah. you add so many adjectives to the to the <laughs> title of, of what we're talking about today. Right. And, and they're like, okay, well, how many movies did you come up with? Yeah. <laughs> and they're always surprised to find that it's a very uh, – although it's specific, mm-hmm. there are very distinct uh, uh, entrances uh, into the canon of, of our topic today. Absolutely. It's very niche but plentiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. But it's it's – I, I want to note that I, I believe, Mike, I believe you are the one that suggested this. And, like, as soon as you suggested I was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's – the topic for today is um, – <laughs> The suspense is built so high. I know. Yeah. Even though it's in the episode description. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the episode topic today is um, one-night party movies. Um, right. Specifically, uh, for the most part, it's, it's pretty much uh, one-night teen party movies, but – Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so also more often than not, it's uh, it's like a graduation. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a very teenage based one night coming of age movie type thing, um, right? Which is the best way to describe that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, in no, so many words, yeah. And I'm I'm really excited for it because I've I've been I'm drawn to these kinds of movies for some reason i don't know what it is i just love the idea of maybe it's because i'm very nocturnal by nature and um which is the name of my rap group by the way but um <laughs> and also um i thought it was nocturnal emission oh, oh nice oh. burn uh, thanks anyway um <laughs> but it goes with the theme of today's yeah yeah it's so it's so it's a it's a a topic or a, a sub 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 genre of movie <laughs> that i'm i'm really fond of and it's dates back to probably early my early teen years actually when i discovered dazed and confused uh which we'll talk about that what we have here is this episode is going to be kind of unique in which we don't have like th- like three each three ti- uh three titles each that we want to discuss and we'll take turns we have a set uh we have a we're set throwing the list. usual format out the window. Yeah, we have a set list of six movies that we're going to talk uh, one by one, and they kind of fit this kind of chronological theme of this kind of, not necessarily theory, but this kind of like thing that I've cultivated in my mind since I was a teenager, thinking like, well, okay, this dates back to 1993's release of Dazed and Confused, which depicts teenagers in the 70s and i kind of went back and i was like okay well american graffiti came out in the 70s 73 um and depicts life in the 60s and so what i've basically what we've basically got is a list of movies that span in their um setting i guess they span six decades and what we're going to do is we're going to discuss those movies and how we feel about them and you know whatever else it's going to be a fun podcast so yeah. Uh, should we jump right into it? Yes. Let's jump into our time machine and All head right. back to the 1960s. Yes. This is uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 1973's American Graffiti, which uh, it's set in 1960... 1963. Three. Three. Right. 
Um, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's and and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I'll, okay. uh, if you don't mind, you mind if I start? Oh no, I just want to make mention though that it's directed by a guy named George Lucas. Who? George who, Lucas. Yeah, he went on to. I Sounds think, like a nobody. I know, right? He went on to create uh, the Jar Jar Binks saga. <laughs> You son of a bee! I, that was I good. had to. So anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So the movie the movie takes place in 1963, uh, May or June or July of of 63. It's the last day of summer vacation, yeah. Uh, and it takes place in 63. But I would argue, and I think historians would say that the 60s, in the way that we think of it today, truly didn't start until November 22nd of 1963. Do you guys know what I'm referring to? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So the assassination of John F. Kennedy really kick-started uh, uh, something else in that decade. And I think what's interesting about the movie American Graffiti and the early 60s is that uh, from 60 to 63 felt very 50s. And I think the movie feels yeah. very 50s. Absolutely. And the music oh, yeah. is very, very 50s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of like uh, classic cl- – the soundtrack is astounding. That's one thing that we're going to – Notice a lot, at least in these the first few. Uh, oh, all of them. Takes on I this. think I think there's something to say about music in all of them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's there's there's a line in the movie incredible. where uh, the character who drives the Deuce Coupe, mm-hmm. um, they're listening to the radio and uh, the Beach Boys comes on, and mm-hmm. it's and it's the 13 year old girl sitting next to him, and and she says, "Don't don't you like the Beach Boys?" Mm-hmm. And he says something about how he doesn't like that surf, <laughs> shit, uh, and that. <laughs> rock and roll has gone downhill since buddy holly died mm-hmm. and so he's talking about remembering a time and just kind of wishing because uh, he's in his 20s is he not that character yeah yeah oh, yeah. yeah so i think he is he's longing for the 50s and longing for uh f- kind of what people watching this movie in the 70s are doing mm-hmm. does that make sense like if you saw this oh, movie yeah. in 1973 you you were in your 20s and mm-hmm. like if this if uh if you were the demographic for this movie you were in your 20s in 1973 right so you would yeah. be along with that ca- character remembering man were weren't the 50s so much better than after 63 <laughs> you know i i love everything you said and i agree with it the only the only thing i would say is maybe i think the reason why this part still feels like the 50s is a little bit different from what you said i think maybe the reason why this early part of the sixties still felt like the fifties is because just because the sixties hadn't found an identity yet. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Which which you're right. It it took, it took the assassination sort. That was one of the first things. And then kind of the, um, the, the beginning of the beginning and the plague of that was the Vietnam war for the second half of the decade. That's what defined the sixties really. Right. So you're saying that the silver lining of JFK's assassination is that the sixties got their definition. Yes. That's what it was. Okay, cool. Or a worthy sacrifice. Good. You know, what's interesting about that, that year, that third year in any decade, I I guess I could go back and say that really happens to any decade. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the things I've been asking for a while. And I think we'll get to it when we get to our 2010s movies, but I've wondered what what um how are we going to define the 2010s in the future like by 93 we knew what grunge was we we already had uh we already had nirvana and all that so we knew what the 90s were going to be by 2003 we already had uh britney spears and nsync and the backstreet boys so like i'm still waiting why is it why is it 2014 
and I can't put a finger on on what our dec- our our decade is going to be. I think it's going to take hindsight. I think maybe it's already start it's already started, and we're going to look back in ten, fifteen, twenty years and say, "Oh, it was this." And I guess I think, so. I think maybe some of it is is going to be um, a, a rights, another civil rights movement hmm. being the right for uh, privacy with the whole internet stuff that's going on right now, and gay, sure. gay rights and legalization of marijuana stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, I agree. but that's that's a shot in the dark. I don't know. Right. I also think there's the cyclical thing that's happening. Uh, which is interesting because our next movie, I'm, I'm, this will probably be in the liner notes as well, but we're going to talk about Dazed and Confused, and a character in that right. movie mentions how everything is cyclical. And yeah. uh, I, I wonder if we're, in today's age, cycling back to a 60s kind of sensibility. Hmm. That, it feels that way, especially with... Style the, like, is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And especially with like all the all the civil rights stuff that's going on now. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. This has exactly. turned into a culture discussion. It, it has, is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's focus. How about so Richard movies, Dreyfuss as I a know. teenager? <laughs> yeah. No, let's talk about the characters. The character, like uh, Mike, you mentioned uh, John, and mm. I have like I have base. I wrote out notes for just basically the major characters in in the movie. Um, the, f- the four guys. Yeah, I, I mentioned first of all, John is the, he's the twenty something guy who's kind of the reigning champion of of like kind of street racing and and Modesto is where it's set, um, and that's one thing to to preface this that I I love this movie I adore it so much um, mm. because and I I've mentioned this before on the podcast plenty of times especially when I re- when I talked about. Um, the movie Nebraska is that it's very much kind of a small town kind of community communal kind of movie where, I mean, these like you got Richard Dreyfus and, and Ron Howard, um, billed as Ronnie Howard, um, <laughs> yeah. that they're two guys who they're about, they're one night away from, uh, leaving town and going to college. And that's like this huge thing for them is that they're escaping this town and mm-hmm. the the other side of that is John is this guy who he graduated from high school he's 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 got his thing and like my notes my notes says um my notes say um John's night is one of self-reflection he's getting older in a town that's outlived his age which is to say that the older he gets the more he and his st- his status is marginalized and that's what Harrison Ford's character is to him John's reluctance to grow up is what makes his pairing with Carol work so well mm-hmm. um and Carol is kind of like she embodies the the bittersweet reflection. She's she's young, naive, and she's a loudmouth, and she it's she eats up every moment of the of the of their night out together because it's all new to her. Uh, John, on right, the other and hand, as resistant and reluctant as he is early on to have her in the car, he never really gets rid of her. Right? Yeah, because I feel like that she represents to him his his youth that has passed him by. He's old and washed up, and. He's. I feel like he's feeling like his life has slipped him by, and that he's maybe not necessarily living vicariously through her uh, enjoyment of the night, um, but he is using it as a kind of thing to reflect on what he is slowly losing, um, thanks to the rise of the youth and Modesto that's kind of eking him out of. Uh, his stature or status of the, of the town, I guess that's what I uh, got from it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Modesto. uh, And I read a really good review on Rotten Tomatoes, actually that said uh, the movie sacrifices plot for locale (laughs) or, or substitutes (laughs) locale for plot. 
Uh, and I guess that's true, especially in the case of, uh, of, uh, Ronnie Howard's character, uh, Steve, how he is, he is going away and, and Kurt even more so. We see him go away. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot is about location. The plot is where they are and where they're going. Yeah. Hmm. And I feel like that, I mean, that informs a, a really good plot in the movie. Um, I don't think it's, they, it sounds like it's being kind of, uh, a negative connotation to it. I don't um, think it is at all. I mean, the, okay, the, good. Yeah, I, I would agree with it. And, and I, I certainly don't think that that person was, uh, meaning it in a negative way. I think what, what they're saying is, um, is, is that the, it's really snippets of plot. I mean, there are moments of plot. There's, there's no grand scheme happening, I don't think. And that's kind of hard to do anyway when you've got four main characters. So I think they have to find, uh, a, a, a center point, and that's absolutely modesto. Yeah. I think the, the, the plot is the character development. You know, that's, it's how these, these stories that are kind of aimless, how that, how it changes these kids, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I see it anyways. It's not really, it's, it's one of those great, great movies or, or shows or whatever. It's just not, don't worry about the plot. Just pay attention to what the characters go through. That's what matters. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about these stories is that, Everybody can basically everyone has been at a point like this in their lives, um, specifically graduating from high school. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's no one I don't there's hardly anyone I don't know who hasn't graduated from something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a pivotal moment. And it's like everybody can connect with it. That's what's great about these. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's why they're so intrinsically tied with like coming of age movies. These one night party movies are they're usually graduation movies or or teen party movies because they they facilitate a coming of age story which uh, on pretty much all counts there's coming of age stories through, across the board on the in this movie um mm-hmm. do you guys want to talk about kurt for a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome yeah um so kurt richard dreyfus first of all man <laughs> uh he's great i i, I love him um yeah. and i I felt like his arc in the movie was really, really interesting to me as an allegory or, or an analogy for his relationship with the town. Um, cause the whole movie, he's chasing this blonde and the T-bird played by Suzanne Summers. Um, and I have notes on this. I'll try not to fumble them. Um, <laughs> I think that she is more of an idea for him. Uh, she represents what staying in Modesto would mean for him. Uh, he's a kid with a ticket out of town. If he passes it up, the most exciting thing he has waiting for him is chasing a woman up and down the strip. Um, and his choice to leave shows that he's ready to leave that behind him. Uh, he, uh, he seems like he has the most growth of any character in the movie. And I feel like to, and and that's kind of played out, uh, that whole arc is played out when he receives a phone call from her and she's, she's really coy with him and says like, I'll be on 10th street. Um, and that just, that kind of feels like that's when he makes the decision that he's going to leave is that he's, it's just, that's, that's kind of like Modesto to him. It's always, it's always going to be this, this same kind of thing that he go, he does each night, I guess. Um, that's what mm-hmm. I gather from it too. Uh, what did you guys think of Kurt and the blonde and the T-bird? Uh, he's great. And, and I agree that um, 
he he has probably the the most change. Uh, but then you also wonder like where um, you kind of have to take into account like where each character started as opposed to where they ended up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would almost argue that Terry coming from the like the lowest of the low in, in terms of nerdiness and, and having a good time ever uh, kind of evolves uh, perhaps a little bit more. Sure. I, I think it's a bit of a – his is a bit of a downer for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to say the least. I don't know about that because like one of his last lines, uh, Terry or Toad as he's called, his nickname, uh, one of his last lines is, you know what? I had a good time tonight too. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. kind of what I mean. Right. He seems like the guy who doesn't have a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he did. And he did get the girl. Um, right. But the whole time throughout throughout the whole movie, he's he's lying and he's building himself up. And it's kind of a cynical aspect to the movie that – in that his insecurities manifest themselves in this kind of idealized identity that he, of what he wants to be, where he has the cool car, cool car. He trains horses for hunting. He has a Jeep with a gun rack (laughs) and he has a wallet full of cash, but it's, I mean, he comes to a point of contentment with where he is and, and what, what his life is. And he gets the girl, even though she knows what, like all the stuff he says is lies and all that, Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of a, it kind of, Made me I'm feel not saying little... he's my favorite character. Oh, right, yeah. It just kind of, I don't know, it was kind of a bummer for me, but in the end, yeah, he did He did have a lot of growth. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I could I could say that he did get have more characters. He also had uh, a scene, uh, the token... Uh, a minor trying to be trying to buy alcohol scene. <laughs> yes, uh, which is one of many we'll talk about on yes. this podcast. It's a trope of this sub genre. <laughs> it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a great scene. I never this is a this is a tangent, but I I hadn't seen this movie in a couple years and I had I just I just completely forgot about that scene, I guess, or the specifics of that scene. But I didn't realize that the scene in The Simpsons where Homer's buying the illegal fireworks is a playoff of that scene. Uh, oh. Yeah, and like he goes in because Toad is buying, he's trying to get uh, Old Harper and mm-hmm. a bottle of Old Harper. And he says like, he says like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take some, some gum, some of that, some a bottle candy of Old bar, Harper. Yeah, which is classic. Bar. Yeah. And then, but in the in the Simpsons, Homer goes into a convenience store and he's like, "Yeah, I'll take a box of condoms, uh, some lottery tickets, and some of those porno mags, a bottle of Old Harper, and some illegal fireworks." Um, That's awesome. So I just, I, like, yeah, that just kind of it clicked for me there, and I was like, "Nah, the Simpsons are great. We'll have to do a Simpsons episode." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so so Toad's story is pretty. Uh, all things considered, it's 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 uplifting as well as being a downer and a reflection of what the town means for the characters. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, for me, I think my favorite feature of this movie is just the idea of there being like the strip in this yeah. town. Like, because I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was probably a little bit too young to understand it, um, mm-hmm. but it didn't have like you know nudity and bad language, so my parents let me watch it. Right, um, and like I remember my mom telling me like every town had a strip like that's that's what kids would do on fridays and saturdays <laughs> they would go they'd go to the soda fountain and get some drinks or whatever and then they go cruise the strip and that's what they would do and you know gas was like 
pennies per gallon. You know, it was yeah. that's it was cheap, and they didn't care if you know they had these giant engines that would just burn up gas. And like, it's a it's kind of a staple of American town life that's just totally gone by the wayside. Oh, yeah. Everything's mm-hmm. Walmart and Targets now. It's not it's not like that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And also, my mom said that like. Every town, not every, well, pretty much every town had a John Milner who, like the guy, not necessarily the guy who raced everybody or he was like the top dragster, but the guy who had the really sweet car, Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. nicest car in town. And like at least every high school had one. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, there's still a little bit of that, but it's just not the same as this. And that's kind of, that's another kind of trope of not necessarily one night party movies, but just teen movies in general. There's always like that one character who has like the muscle car mm-hmm. who's like depicted as like, Oh, the coolest guy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, like that's, to- which, which goes away eventually. I, I think that mm-hmm. along with the culture of that, I think goes away. Like uh, there's no guy in the town with the nicest car, uh, in like our last three movies that we'll talk about. Yeah. Right. True. Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that culture, like, yeah, it is, it is kind of dying, but I mean, I feel like at least here in Speedway, not to get off on a tangent or whatever, like they're re, they redeveloped Main Street and all that. And I feel like they're going for that kind of feel, mm-hmm. but that kind of majestic kind of, uh, uh, activity based small town life, I guess, if that makes any sense. It, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That, that has fallen by the wayside. And, uh, Right. I mean, I love what they've done to Main Street here in Speedway. If you're local to Speedway, uh, Main Street's pretty cool. But um, yeah. I love it because it's that vintage feel, but it's also like I don't – they can't really reclaim exactly what it was like. Right. Um, but Main Street's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what about uh, Lori and Steve? Uh, Ron Howard and his girlfriend – because uh, he's 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 kind of a dick yeah. in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely and is a dick. Oh yeah, it says a line. I think I know what line you're going to say. It's kind of a brief line, but I just want to point it out uh, because it's kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. Another theme that'll go throughout all the movies. He talks about we're practically adults now. Oh, okay. Which yeah, I, thought I thought was interesting. Which is a line you get from a lot of a lot of them who who. Um, you know, all seniors when they graduate, they think they're graduating into adulthood, yeah. and it just makes me laugh every time how wrong they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, what what was the line? Did you think I was going to talk about? I thought you were going to go for the whole kind of uh, forcing himself on her kind of thing, like oh, well, yeah, telling her but... to the to give him something to remember her by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh no, but yeah, I agree completely. That um that is kind of a motif, I guess, of the of the of it as a whole. And it's funny to me. I mean, it's funny to to examine these movies when I first saw them, like like with Dazed and Confused and with other movies in this. I saw this when I was like a teenager, and like like this was. We'll get into that when we talk about Dazed and Confused. But I saw that when I was like about to get into high school. So I was like, oh yeah, all these they they know what they're talking about. They're all adults and everything. And now I'm like. Yeah. I'm like 20, Kids. yeah, I'm like yeah. 27. I'm like, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm, <laughs> I'm still not an adult. What the hell are these kids talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
but I had notes on, on that. I was like, they're kind of the classic archetypical young love couple. Um, and I feel like their arc really counters the negative undertone of like Kurt and Toad's adventures. Uh, it could have been a very cynical look at small town 60s teenagers. Um, overall, the movie could have been. But Lori and Steve, for all the ups and morbid downs <laughs> that they experience, they they come out better in the end, and they come out like together. Um, and it's it's worth mentioning that of the title cards at the end of the movie, uh, he's like the one that has like a well, him and Kurt both have like yeah, happy endings. Kurt's a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's talk about the title cards at the end of the movie, because and then we can because we. Burned up a lot of time on American Graffiti. Yeah, I was going to ask how long are we going to talk about each. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see where we end up. But uh, the title cards. Um, so Kurt's a writer. John's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve's, uh, I think, like an insurance salesman or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Toad is missing in action. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And but it's it, again, that's part of the identity of the sixties. Exactly. Vietnam. It, uh, right. Yeah. It's it's there's it's, it's part it's about the sixties written in the perspective uh of the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's uh no, the, knowing what happened to most of these types of people. Right. right, exactly. It's very authentic and it's uh Yeah, absolutely. And they tie the movie's themes and, and the setting together in a really real way. Um yep. which I can respect. Um, yeah, hell of a lot better than title cards at the end of Project X, which we'll get to. Oh, <laughs> oh that'll yeah. be fun. So, um, it's it's foolish to rank them. I won't do that, despite the fact that you guys know how much I love to rank things. Right. Um, <laughs> but where where is this in like your favorite movies? How how would you on the obsessive viewer rating scale? Where would you put this? Uh, on the obsessive viewer rating scale, I would. Mm-hmm put it at a firm blind buy although if it is at a theater i would totally seek it out to check it out um i will say this though uh better than star wars wow oh dude oh come <laughs> on you That's I, ser- you're kidding right <laughs> i'm in the room with you you I, know that right you know yeah I, you're kidding right i don't know i i think that i as an adult watching them as an adult i i like it more it's not than even star wars. for you the movie isn't even for you <laughs> I appreciate it more. I appreciate it more as the storytelling, more of the storytelling than than I can of Star Wars or I have Dude. Of Star Wars. <laughs> Seriously, seriously, the storytelling <laughs> is what you're gonna go with, which is better. You know, like, like Star Wars the is the greatest story ever. I mean, it is the classic hero's tale. Sure. <laughs> oh, I troll. think one of the <laughs> troll. <laughs> I call bullshit. I did not get. I did not expect that much of a rise out of you. Wow. Uh, I think the only place you have an argument is the performances. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. I will. I'll. 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 Restate. Star Wars changed movies forever. <laughs> yeah. Forever. There's American some... graffiti influenced Happy Days. <laughs> right. I'm uh, I mean, I'll yeah. give it more I'll, credit than that. I will. I'll re. I'll restate my thing that I wish that George Lucas would do more movies like this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that right. any day. Which have you guys heard the? I think it's is it John Favreau's Nerdist episode? Yeah. No. 
Yeah, did he were they talking about that where George Lucas is basically he's uh he's retired from directing or whatever, but what he's doing is he's just making like little experimental like uh personal movies just on on his own without no intention of ever like releasing him or anything. He's just doing it for fun. Huh. That's what Chris oh, Hardwick said. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think it was the John Favreau one. But anyway, so yeah, that's interesting. I wish that he would do something like that. I think it would be cool for him to go back and uh, kind of make something like this now from the perspective of him having, you know, created an I, empire. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it a bargain buy. Okay. Huh. Um, interesting. And I, you guys know, I think you guys know, or I hope you know, listeners maybe know, I, I'm very, very, very subjective on my grading mm-hmm. uh, to a fault, and I'll admit that. Um, and, I, and I stand firm on the idea that American Graffiti is not for me. I, I'm, okay. I'm way too young to really appreciate why American Graffiti was made. Mm-hmm. We can talk all day about the quality of the movie. We can talk right. about how well they, uh, they portray Modesto, how uh, good the acting is, uh, the story. We can talk about all that. But to really understand the movie, to feel the movie the way Lucas uh, wanted you to feel – the movie you you have to be 50 something years old now or 20 something when that movie came out and i just can't buy in all the way with a movie that that predates me by uh nearly 30 years i don't see i i i have to disagree with you i don't see it that way i kind of feel like the themes are kind of universal to kind of small town life no matter what decade um i it's very intrinsically 60s era and 60s uh, sensibilities and, and that kind of identity and all that, but there are still universal themes in it, like uh, leaving leaving town that you've grown up in and, and um, kind of reconciling that with your um, feelings for like your girlfriend and all that. I kind mm-hmm. of feel like these are kind of universal teen teenage and young adult or sure sure themes. Um, I, I'll give you that too, but I think like all of these movies will have that will have yeah. that theme. Oh, yeah, I I agree. I think, again, and this is just me being subjective, um, movies that are about or uh, uh, things that are kind of a love letter to their era, I have trouble getting into if it's not from my era. I couldn't get into Mad Men because Mad Men is about the 60s. Oh, Mad Men's also boring as shit. Well, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Uh, But there were times where I found American Graffiti boring. Okay. Um, it is far from the worst movie on this list. In oh, fact, absolutely. it is a very, very good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it is it is not untouchable in my eyes. Okay. Okay. Sure. I uh, I I'd put it in like my. It's probably in my top fifty. Actually, I I watched this. Um, I got the Blu-ray from Netflix and watched it, and I hadn't seen it in like ten years. And yeah. after I watched it, I was ashamed that I don't own it because it's. I really forgot how how much I love it. Um. The obsessive viewer grading scale. I don't know. I never used the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Matt basically forced that on me, and kind I never, of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a fan of it, but eh, I understand. So I, I don't know where I'd put it on there, but I mean, I I think it's I, 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 a lot of like lists like the AFI has it on their top 100. I think it absolutely belongs there. I, I think it's just a fantastic movie. So would you recommend it for people who haven't seen it to buy it blindly or would you... <laughs> how old are these people? I would I would oh, blind yeah. I would recommend anyone to blind buy it. Okay. Any in any age too. Yeah, I really You know what? Speaking of how old are these people, I was going to say I wouldn't show it to my high school students. It is better than uh The Breakfast Club. Okay. I would say that, yeah. Yeah, I can I can 
I'm gonna fight you on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's yeah. my it's my of the six we're going to discuss this is my favorite oh really oh, nice yeah, it is oh that's oh, interesting wow. okay. that's very interesting mm-hmm. oh this is going to be fun okay yeah interesting. well i don't think there's uh, this is so subjective it is oh, absolutely. They, they are all that you're gonna you guys are gonna kill me for saying this they are all <laughs> the same movie just indicative of their time they they are all very very similar in themes as awful as you guys are going to feel about admitting that for our last movie <laughs> they're pretty much they're pretty much the same thing Dude. and they and they change and change in terms of quality and decade i agree with you so much it's not even funny i yeah. honestly i do too <laughs> they really okay. are the same i'm glad i'm glad that i didn't have to fight, fight yeah. that one and even, they are the same move <laughs> even the characters yeah a lot are the same characters absolutely. Uh, absolutely. which is something we'll get into at the end as well yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so should we move on to uh 1993's days and confused Yes. Nice. All right. So Richard Linklater directed this movie, uh, starring a young Ben Affleck, a young Cole Hauser, a young Rory Cochran, (laughs) a young everyone, a young young, uh, best actor, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why did I forget that? A young Mila Jovovich. Yes. Yes. Yep. A young I, Parker Posey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A young and still annoying Parker Posey. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh. I said Rory Cochran before Matthew McConaughey. You did. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Daisy Confused. Uh, Mike, as I understand it, you just recently watched it for the first time, correct? I did. Nice. It was a movie. Um, it was a movie that I never felt I needed to watch. Uh, you guys know, and our listeners might know. I can't remember if I've said it. I'm a I'm a teetotaler, right? Yeah. Uh, I I never had a drink, never done anything, uh, and it just seemed like the kind of movie. That stoners loved for the fact that there's pot in the movie. You know what I mean? You know, it just, it just yeah. seemed like a stoner classic. At least all the people I knew in high school who loved the movie Dazed and Confused were stoners. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of turned me off to it uh, in the first place. Well, now that I'm a little bit older, I can kind of get over uh, that stuff. I can I can get over myself uh, <laughs> and kind of experience the movie for the experience and kind of like uh, understand – what was important in the seventies and, and how uh, marijuana culture was important to the seventies and rock and roll culture was the seventies. So I was like, okay, it's time to watch dazed and confused, but I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. So when you mentioned doing this project, um, we might even call it project X. We, when you, uh. <laughs> when you mentioned that, uh, I was actually most excited about watching this despite nice. uh, it being one of the the only one that I hadn't seen or uh, one of the two that I hadn't seen. I hadn't right. seen American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I watched Dazed and Confused yesterday for the first time. Uh, and it is probably my second favorite of the bunch. It was oh, nice. fantastic. Wow. That's whoa. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Why, um, why so shocked? Uh, just from a couple of the later ones we're going to talk. We'll talk. We'll get to that when we get to. We'll we'll get to that. Um, that's interesting. I, I think I know what you're going to say. But, yeah, I know yeah. which one's your top one. I have to. It has to be. The you one do I'm know. Thinking of. Yeah, and the um, other one is a topic for discussion. Absolutely. That has to do with something I said five or six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Daisy Infused Tiny. You saw it. 
explain the circumstances it's, of seeing it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very uh, appropriate how you brought up that you're a teetotaler, yeah. Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, now I I rarely drink now. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I don't do any drugs. Uh, I did in the past, but uh, I I don't do any drugs. I rare I like I hardly ever drink. Seriously, it's like maybe five or six times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but. In high school, I drank all the time, uh, <laughs> a, a lot. Like the the scenes in these movies uh, where the kids are struggling to find a way to get alcohol, cannot relate to it at all, <laughs> because uh, yeah. because uh, when I was younger, like first co- underclassman in high school, the older older students that I was friends with had fake IDs, and they could just mm-hmm. walk into a liquor store and buy booze, and then. Uh, Junior and senior year, my, one of my best friends had a really good fake ID, and we <laughs> he used it like four or five times at the same liquor store. And after those four or five times, she stopped carding us. It was the same lady like every Friday <laughs> and Saturday night. We were on a first-name oh, basis with her. So awesome. So I can't relate to that at all. Um, <laughs> and so the first time I ever watched Dazed and Confused, as a freshman in high school, was at Matt's house. Yes. And I was hammered drunk. Yeah, uh, I was. I was like fourteen, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe fifteen. I think. I think it would have been fourteen. Yeah. yeah. I was. I think it wasn't over the summer. No, it wasn't. Years. Yeah. Anyways, we had like two bottles of liquor, and yeah. like we had like uh, vodka and whiskey, and it was me and Matt and another friend of ours, and Matt and our other friend didn't like whiskey, so I drank the That's whole right. bottle myself. <laughs> I was just hammered. I'm kind of yeah. proud of that story as a 14-year-old that right. I had a whole bottle of yeah, uh, Jim Beam. So, yeah. Oh, um, man. Anyways, I remember nothing from the first time I watched it. <laughs> and then the second time we watched it, I was falling asleep. And then I watched it a couple days ago. So, like, that's like... This is almost my first time watching it. Right. Um, so, it's it's kind of funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, by the way, most drunk I've ever seen you. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, which, um, yeah it's funny because that was so long ago. Yeah. So what did you think of the movie? <laughs> um, I liked it. I, I always, I was sort of like Mike. I, I always thought, I thought it was kind of strange how revered the film was because I, mm-hmm. I thought it was really overrated. Um, and I, I'm not sure why. I think it's just, I feel like it's it's so it's different from these other movies because there's actually, uh, we, we, we mentioned how there's like, you know, usually a graduation or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually the opposite with this. There's no graduation. It's just right. the people who are becoming seniors and becoming freshmen, which is kind of uh-huh. different. Um, and just the, the whole hazing thing is like, yeah. um, again, I can't relate to it cause I was bigger than all the seniors <laughs> when I was a freshman. <laughs> I didn't get hazed. Right. Um, but I, I had a lot of friends who got hazed. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just, I don't know, for some reason I, I couldn't connect to the movie as much, but I can't deny like how quotable it is. Oh, yeah. Um, the music is phenomenal. The cars are so freaking awesome. Yes. Um, actually, American Graffiti, we could have mentioned that yeah. in Cars Caught the Car episode from last time. Absolutely. Could have mentioned this movie, uh, yeah. Dazed and Confused. Um, so there's so many things about the movie to like. Like As I was watching it, sitting down and watching it, I, was, I just had it in my mind, this is an overrated movie. But as I kept watching it, I was like, it's really not because it's just so enjoyable. Right. Um, I, I love the era. Um, the, again, all the staples that we talked about in American Graffiti with the, you know, the, there's always the love story and yeah. there's the older character who shouldn't be there really. Right. Uh, who's kind of creepy in a way. Yeah. Um, it's just such, it's a fun movie and just beyond quotable. 
Wow, that character really does appear in pretty much every single movie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And talk, really, um, talking about the stoner yeah. stuff, like I, I wasn't a pothead or anything, but I knew people who were potheads, mm-hmm. and like I hung out with them a lot. And so watching, most specifically Slater in this movie, the, the main <laughs> pothead kid who's literally high the entire movie. I think right. I don't think he's ever not yeah. high. Um, I, all the crazy stuff he was saying. <laughs> I can just relate to 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 listening to potheads talk about stupid right. stuff, and that's that's what I could relate to with yeah. as far as this movie goes. Yeah. yeah, the funny thing with me with seeing Dazed and Confused is, like I said, I saw it before I entered high school, and I've like I've I I've drank before, and like like Tiny, I don't drink that much anymore, uh, but I've never done any kind of drugs or anything like that, and I still kind of connected to this movie mostly because it was more like. Like, I was just in this thing where I was like, okay, well, I'm about to get into high school, and this is, like, what it's going to be like um, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, which it really wasn't that much like that. But, well, the kind of driving around, kind of aimlessly wandering uh, wandering in a small town. Again, I connect to it as this kind of, like, aimless kind of teenage in-between childhood and adulthood kind of funk that is a big staple of these movies is that i mean because i mean uh, in high school we drove around just all the time just randomly just drove around because we didn't have anything else to do yeah um so i kind of connected to it on that level as well as just as a fun uh one night party movie which is almost the exact same thing that happens in uh american graffiti right they drive around there's about four or so characters, <laughs> <laughs> and we learned some things about the characters. Yeah, yeah. but American Graffiti had more of a, a, a uh, more more of a theme, a thematic thing with the the town and and kind of growing up more so than Days and Confused, I would say. I agree. Yeah, yeah, and there was uh, there was some rebelliousness in both. Um, yeah, uh, the whole. The first one, Kurt's thinking about like, oh, I'm probably not going to go to college, right, or whatever. He was offered that huge scholarship and mm-hmm. and everything. And then in this one, we have uh, Pink. Pink yeah. is his nickname. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's thinking about not playing football, which yeah, because yeah. they're forcing him to sign a uh, a pledge not to do drugs or do yeah. anything illicit. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think we should bring it up. Yeah is is that really why he doesn't want to play, or is that kind of just a scapegoat for some other reason we don't know? Oh, it's absolutely the the latter. I think because he he's he's coming to terms with how adults hold authority over kids and how yeah. it's sure. such it's such an illusion because exactly. you know as you as you get older and you look back to these conflicts you had with teachers and what have you um when you were a kid you're like why didn't i just tell them to go f themselves what are they <laughs> right. what are they going to do suspend me it's like <laughs> yeah you know but when you're a kid it's your entire world that's what oh, yeah. everything revolves around and he's starting to slowly realize that their authorities kind of bullshit and like I can stand up to them and still be a moral, you know, person who has integrity. It's just right. I, I believe something different than they do. That's all it is. Right. right. So, yeah. And it's also he's kind of riding that line between he's kind of not that the movie is overly clickish or anything, but he's kind of he's in both of these camps of like these football players who who they're committed to playing football and all that. Um and then he's also friends with these stoner guys and uh and also the and also kind of the nerdy guys, 
Um, yeah, he's kind of friends with everybody. He he's, is. he's an interesting character. He's, he is. Uh, he's the most likable in the mm. movie, I think, if not relatable. I, th- I think uh, I, re- I relate probably mostly to the kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I did at the time when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it, it doesn't really resonate that well with me now because obviously I'm an adult and I, that's kind of all that is kind of in my past and all that. And I can reflect on it and see it as being like, okay, this was a fun movie to, to watch in that mindset of being like, okay, well, this is kind of like, I don't, I don't know. It, but now it's kind of like, uh, it's a fun movie. Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I tweeted right after I saw it that it it made me appreciate my mom more. I felt like I understood my mom more because huh. she would have graduated right about that time. I, I think mm-hmm. she uh, she was born in fifty nine, so she graduated either. Uh, oh man, what? I I don't know. I'm not good at math. Like sixty right. or seventy seventy six. Or seventy seven or seventy eight. One, one of those years. I don't. It depend. It's seventy seven or seventy eight. I guess depending on what month she got out. And, yeah. You know. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um. I don't think. I think it's more relatable. More universal. More universally relatable than American Graffiti was. Like like, American Graffiti is more of a time capsule. This is more of a. This is more of a one night party movie than it is a time capsule movie. Right. Yes, though. and that and that is kind of to my earlier point. Okay. Why I why I think I was able to connect to it more. Okay. Yeah, that's a good. Point. I can see that. I can see it better now. That with the two juxtaposed that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so should we close the book on Dazed and Confused? All right. All sure. right. All right. Yeah, I did. Ha- oh, God damn it. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> went all over your. You wanted to do your. It's line. all right. <laughs> the best line of the movie. Uh, is when Pink Floyd says, uh, if I ever start referring to these as the best days of my life, remind me to kill myself. Oh, I love yeah. it. It's yeah. yeah. Which is, which is the toe, which is, uh, pretty interesting. It's more introspective than we get from those characters most of the time, I think. Yeah. And it's more introspective than, than the movie kind of gets credit for, actually. I'm exactly. Glad you brought up that line. And then it's, it's, uh, it's followed up by, I can't remember the character's name, the, 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 the jock guy, um, he he says like I want to. Oh, I can't. I I'm spacing on the actual like line, but it says something like, I, "The important thing to me is that I want to make sure that I did as much as I could when I was stuck in this place." And he refers yeah. to stuck in this place over and over again. Then mm-hmm. the the button on that is uh, banged as many chicks as I could as I was stuck in this place. <laughs> um, but he kind yeah. of that that's the kind of sentiment that I attach myself to is uh, like I enjoy that sentiment because it's high school for all it is it's it shouldn't be the most the, the best time of your life it, it no, just shouldn't absolutely not. absolutely not and as much as like TV shows and movies will want to make you feel like it should be or it is it's just not and this is a movie that kind of just puts that in its place and says and says to us that it's a finite a finite span of uh, time frame of your life, it'll be memorable, but you know, more important stuff's to come. Mm-hmm. And that kind yeah. of put 
it into perspective a little bit for me. Hopefully, hopefully more important stuff is to come. Yeah. Hopefully you don't <laughs> end up like Matthew McConaughey's Wooders. Yeah. Or John Milner from uh, American Graffiti. Yeah. There, there's the scene uh, toward the end of the movie, kind of right about when Pink says, uh, "Remind me to kill myself," and they're like, uh, they're like playing football. And you can mm-hmm. tell that Matthew McConaughey just misses that, yeah, that oh, yeah. time. It's, it's my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad. It's just a sad scene. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Hmm. All right. So should we but move on? Good movie. Sh- yeah, yeah. Uh, should we move on to our 1980s pick? Let's do it. Let's move to the Which, 80s. Yes. So for this, uh, this will be an interesting discussion. It's two. Uh, I don't remember what year it is. Uh, it was actually 2011. Filmed, 2011. It was filmed four years prior to its release, and it sat, sat on the shelf for a while. But it's uh, 2011's "Take Me Home Tonight," starring mm-hmm. uh, um, Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Wow, <laughs> I did not sleep much today. Uh, <laughs> Topher Grace, Anna Faris, Chris Pratt, uh, Teresa Palmer, hyphen hurt. Um, Back off. And, then <laughs> uh, and a, uh, uh, Dan Fogler. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie because this was the second or third time that I've watched it. And I originally, the first time I saw it, I loved it. And I think this time around, it didn't really hold up as well to me because on one hand I watched it in, in the context of this project that we did for the podcast. And, and after I'd seen American Graffiti and Days to Confused, which kind of put a damper on it as, as a thematic element to this to this uh list of movies um but for those who haven't seen it which i'm willing to bet is quite a few people mm-hmm. it was a bit under the radar yeah um it's a story about matt franklin played by topher grace who he is it, it's at post high school post college um he's it's 1984 um yep. or 88 it's 88 right can't remember oh. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, it's eighty-eight because uh, um, straight out of Compton Place. But anyway, um, it's nineteen eighty-eight. He he works at Suncoast Video. Everyone that he knows has like big banking jobs. Yeah. So he sees his high school crush, and basically lies to her and tells her that he works for Goldman Sachs, and that catapults him into this night of adventure and and all that with chasing after her and uh, all that. So when I first saw it, I. I feel like I loved it because I had been searching for a 1980s one night party movie to fit my bizarre theory that I'd been trying to cultivate <laughs> since high school. Classic. <laughs> okay. Matt. Yeah. I'm glad to finally hear a reason <laughs> because I remember you raved about this movie. I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Sure. You raved about it. I really did. So did you, I. I mean, I remember like, uh, you you asked me I think twice if I had seen it, and then one time I was asking for a movie suggestion, and you said take me home tonight. Yeah, and I finally did watch it. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This the after after this go around, I kind of saw that it's more style, more kind of a um. It's not necessarily a love note to the eighties. It's more. It's like a step below parody of the 80s. It's indicative of the 80s is what it is because yeah. ask anyone who grew up during the 80s, they always say it sucks. Right. The 80s yeah. sucked. It, it, the identity it had sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just a, a not not. And a good I still decade. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I've seen some of the '80s Bond movies, and oh god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so eh, I I like it still a bit. I mean, it's better than you know the last movie on our list, which we'll get to. But it's also, I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to American Graffiti, Days and Confused, or the other two movies we're gonna talk about. No. So not even not even close. I, yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, I remember being bored in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dan Fogler is like the poor man's Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. a little less annoying, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th- cool well, cool to see Michelle Trachtenberg. Oh yeah, in yeah. Movie. Anytime she's in a movie, it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, she was underused, but right. I yeah. think her character kind of asked for that. Um, yeah. So here's a funny thing. Uh, I watched this with my dad in a summer, like on a summer night, okay. and uh, he, my dad's pretty clueless about movies and just a time period. <laughs> and he, uh, so we're watching the movie, and it obviously takes place in the eighties. Is is there is there a title card that says anything about the eighties? Like, does it say nineteen eighty eight or anything like that? Uh, no, I think the yearbook uh, at the beginning for the opening credits says says it okay class of 84 and it's four years after high school gotcha so uh of about 10 maybe 15 minutes of the movie we, when we finally when we we've met Topher grace's character and we get to know him a little bit my dad goes oh he is he goes oh this is old i was like what he goes yeah look how young he looks <laughs> i was like dad this came out two years ago yeah <laughs> So there was that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I don't know. I, I I have this new appreciation for Topher Grace. I, I liked him a lot on that '70s show. Right. But uh, have you guys been to SerialPrize.com? No, but you referenced it in, uh, a way back, a long time ago on the podcast. Yeah, and uh, I, I checked it out a couple times because I heard him on Nerdist talking about it, and I liked uh-huh. what I saw. I definitely liked what I saw. So it's broken. His website is broken apart into like sections, of course, mm-hmm. and one of the sections is self-centered stuff. Okay. And uh, under the self-centered is like videos that he that he did for movies. So there's the uh, music video uh, he did for the song "Don't You Want Me," mm-hmm. uh, but it's yeah. like an updated version, and it's just a bunch of like '80s references, yeah. which yeah. kind of lends to uh, what you said about it being almost a parody of the mm-hmm. '80s, like that they would make a movie kind of sending up '80s tropes. Uh, yeah is indicative like you said tiny of the fact that it's kind of teasing the 80s but but it's a really fun video yeah yeah and plus they cast michael bean as his dad <laughs> right sure who was guess, a, a staple of some of the biggest movies of the 80s yeah i guess topher grace was such a huge fan of like terminator and uh i don't think it was aliens but one of his other movies that he like personally like asked him to be in the movie like yeah. pretty much begged him to be in the movie um but yeah that music video by the way it's on the dvd um and I watched it, and like, it was after my my first viewing of the movie, and I liked the movie the first time I saw it. I really liked it, but like, as soon as I saw that video, I was like, "This is better than the movie." Um, <laughs> yeah, because it was right. so cool. It was so yeah, it was so eighties send up, and that's something that it felt like this movie was trying to avoid being, but. Mm-hmm by not being really a love letter to the 80s or or anything like that it kind mm-hmm. of defaulted into becoming a send up of the 80s mm-hmm. yeah i uh well and what sets this movie apart from the others is that it's 
the central storyline. It's not. It's not about the party. It's not about this no. event. It's about the love story. Yeah. Um. And I liked it. I think again. I think it's something that we can all relate to. Everybody had the crush, the, right. the quote unquote one that kind of got away from high school. Um. And you know he ends up. Spoiler alert! I'm sure you could have guessed he gets the girl. <laughs> yeah. But I think the problem is I, we've mentioned this before as well that typically that crush that you had really is not very compatible for you. Right. And so like, as you get older as an adult, you're like, yeah, we, if you know, if we met now, we probably really wouldn't have much in right. common. And it was, Mike said, yeah, it's the biggest requirement is that they were hot. Yeah, exactly. It's and, yeah. Uh, completely hormonal. Right. And so I, I want to see the following weeks of the story where they're trying <laughs> to have a relationship and it's just like, you suck. Yeah. You know, they don't really get along. Um, they would be a pretty sad movie. Um, but I, I really like the comedy in this movie, though. I just I love Topher Grace's perform, like his his uh, his mannerisms and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a point where they're talking out by the pool. I can't remember what he says, what the line is, but like, oh man, he says something like he says something like uh, "okie dokie" or something like that, <laughs> and then he just looks at his friend. And he's just like, Ugh. like the look on his face. It's <laughs> such a perfect like physical performance. I I was thought it was hilarious. He's pretty good. I wish he was in more stuff. Yeah. Me too. Totally. It's a bummer. I think he's fantastic. Oh, he does yeah. a killer Michael J. Fox impression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Are you telling sure. me <laughs> you built a time machine? Yeah, it was funny. It was really uh, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch that music video again. Thank you. Um, and I love the uh, the Dimitri Martin oh, cameos. That stole the scene. So the funny. Uh, um, I forget. Like, There's a part where he's just like... He's just like he's like yeah he's like he's like yeah I work for he's like I work for Goldman Sachs yeah, yeah. and he's just like he's like uh, he's like he's like yeah I'm in a wheelchair but you don't need to walk to to speculate stock options <laughs> I said you don't need to walk to speculate stock options <laughs> so fun I I cried laughing yeah. the first and time I saw that and he says he says like. So it's like, yeah, nothing's really changed. I'm still, I'm still getting a lot of ass or something like that. And then he says, "I like, I'm, I, my feelings about hills have changed." <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, yeah, man. he's fantastic in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, I was hard pressed to find a one night party movie for the '80s. Um, so until someone makes one. <laughs> This is kind of my default for this for this little. Uh, it definitely qualifies. It does, yeah, sure. absolutely. It's just kind of uh, one of two weak links in in the thing, which we'll get to later. Um, yeah, well, oh man, that's tough to say. Weak links, but the last one. I've got some interesting things to say about the last one. The last really? one is more fitting than this movie. Oh yeah, huh. it is, and we'll we'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about. Yeah, that. we'll talk. What's about the that. next movie? Let's let's uh, hop back in our time machine. Yes. Mike, why don't you introduce this? Because I know that you hold this movie quite close to your heart. I do, and, and I watched this last night after Dazed and Confused. Like I said, I've been so excited about this project. Yeah. Um, and it, one of my favorite movies of all time still is, and every time I watch it, I, I was um, I was affirmed this last night when I watched it. So uh, the next movie is 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. Yes. And it is it is absolutely one of my favorite movies. And even after watching it last night, uh, I, it it still is. So I had a discussion today. 
with some of my friends, so, some of my peers, and uh, some students, and a few people who are a couple years older than me. And I think one of the best things about this project we did was kind of thinking of our movie, thinking of the movie uh, that is indicative of our time, of our one night graduation party, and what it was like when we graduated. So anyway, so I'm trying to think of the movie like for me, uh, and. And a friend of mine kind of said American Pie probably is his. And I said, well, that doesn't really fit the mold we're trying to do. Right. Uh, but you're probably right. It's closer. It's closer to my to my age. The other movie, and again, I'm going to spoil this, but it's in probably in the, the early notes, is super bad. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to decide which is more uh, for me. Can't Hardly Wait or Super Bad. Again, I'm going to spoil. Can't Hardly Wait is a far superior movie and a movie I, I love even more than Superbad. Um, but how do you guys relate to Can't Hardly Wait? Because we're finally getting into uh, a movie that has something to do with our lives. It's all right. I'm kidding. I'm totally joking. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no. You couldn't even let that one ride. That's how, <laughs> yeah. that's how much bull yeah. that was. Exactly. I absolutely love this movie. It It's... It was my first foray into this little uh, subgenre. Oh yeah, mine too. Yeah, I, I'm sure. And it's so. I mean, it's got everything. It's such a fun movie. It's such a, a heartfelt movie. Um, it's got the whole graduation aspect of it, moving on with your life, all that kind of thing. It um, it it kind of takes some of the themes and some of the the ideas set forth by American American Graffiti and Days and Confused, but it takes those as just like little thumbtacks to put on the wall, uh, to put them on the wall amidst amidst this entire huge original thing for what it's saying. If that makes any sense whatsoever, yeah, I got no, you. absolutely, it, yeah. It does. So it it's kind of this it's this it's this original kind of thing where I mean. The love story aspect of it, it comes through pretty much every movie in this list, but this is the strongest of any of the movies that we have listed. Um, uh, Superbad might be in contention for that a little bit, but I feel like this is, this is even stronger. And I made the remark that <laughs> I kind of want to cut, I kind of want to cut together a trailer of the footage of this and make it look like Preston is a serial killer. But that's something for Why, another time. Because of his eyes, you kind of just <laughs> well, just the idea of him chasing after Amanda because, like, they he feels like they're meant to be because she has a pop tart. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's but it's still it's a sweet sweet story and uh, a strawberry pop tart, the exact same <laughs> breakfast pastry that I was consuming at that moment. What was I to do? How was I to proceed? <laughs> oh, I love it, but it kind of. It it's 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 great. I, I love it. I can't speak highly enough about it. Tiny, what did you think of Can't Hardly Wait? Uh, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so your your guys is to uh, I'm gonna be the uh, the odd one out here. I yeah. I like this movie. I mean Seth Green, dear God, so funny. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> and and this what it is is it's such a superficial thing for me to sort of hang on and pry on but i think it it, it makes such a, a big impact on in this movie and, and i'll put it i'll con, i'll contextualize it with this whole group we have i'll exclude it uh, I'll, I'll exclude um american graffiti because um i think you'll understand why of this whole list um 
this is the only one that's not rated R. Um, huh. American Graffiti, again, it's not rated R, but I think that's that's again indicative of its time. It, it's just huh. you know it, you only had PG and rated R. That's all you had back then, and you kind of had to play a play right. a, line, a fine line. Um, it wouldn't really have been again indicative of the time of the 1960s if it was you know really graphic and if it was less wholesome. Right. So it's such a problem for me that this movie isn't rated R, and I think I think it can. Uh, I think that's a same thing, a similar thing that a lot of people feel because you you can see it in in the popularity of this movie compared to American Pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Pie has a much much more popular legacy than this movie does, and yeah. that obviously has the advantage of being a trilogy or right. are there four there's four of them, aren't there's, there? Yeah, I was ne- I was never a big fan of American <laughs> Pie either. I wasn't. Um, well, there is, but uh, uh, I I think I think. Um, the sum of its parts is not greater than any single piece in American Pie. The the first American Pie is far more popular than the series. Right. Uh and and I, I think you are exactly right. Um yeah. what's interesting about American Pie is it came out uh a year later, maybe two years. I think it's a year, a year after later. Can't One Hardly Wait. Yeah. And it almost makes you think if the guys who who did Can't Hardly Wait when they saw American Pie said, Damn it. <laughs> Why didn't we <laughs> yeah. go R? It want, it, the movie wanted to be rated R so bad. Sure. And I think it, it was really originally... Did. I think... I'm going to get this wrong. It's in the trivia on IMDb for it, but I, they filmed it as an R-rated version, but they kind of kept cutting it down. Well, there there are ADR fixes. There yeah. is a scene yeah. where... Uh, the scene where um, they're in the bathroom and um, Kenny, Kenny Fisher, Special K, is in there <laughs> and Denise comes in. Uh, and it's like the second time we see them in there and he's leaning up the door and he says something about, you came in here screaming like a freaking banshee. Uh, and I watched his lips three off. times and that is an ADR switch. Wow. There's uh, also an entire character that's completely cut out of the movie. Right. In, uh, because it wants to be, uh, uh PG 13. Um, the character is just a generic, like, like stoned girl. Um, who all throughout the movie is kind of, uh, just uh, I'm trying to find it. In the the, yeah, like the one time you see her is uh in in the final cut of the movie. The one time you see her is like in, when they're doing like a, a scroll by in the kitchen, and she's just like staring at a banana. Yeah, because like, she's stoned and can't like she's mesmerized by a banana. Yeah, there's yeah. a the trivia says there were characters in the movie called the crying drunk girl who has subtitles for everything she says because she is so drunk that none of her speech is understandable, <laughs> and the stoned girl, uh, who is so spaced out on dope that she wonder she wanders in and out of a number of scenes, but both were cut in order to secure a PG thirteen rating. Um, mm. so it's, I mean, it it, it could have. Probably been more successful if it if it had been uh, R rated, but I don't think it really detracts from from the movie. No, I don't uh. think so. And I also wonder this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, well, no, no, why no. do you laugh? Where, uh, where's there more? Tiny, just, because I just went. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. Um, <laughs> well, then we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> but I also wonder if the R era, the rated R era. Uh, came in because of American Pie. I, I think huh. Can't Hardly Wait was indicative of 1998. I think it was, I think there was a wholesomeness to the late 90s, uh, which is kind of funny considering what was going on in politics and Bill Clinton right. and <laughs> Monica Lewinsky's dress. Huh. But, uh, 
but you know you didn't get movies like Road Trip and Euro Trip mm-hmm. and all of those trip movies and uh, like where the whole like boob movies you didn't get boob yeah. movies like Van Wilder until American oh. Pie that that changed teen movies for the next ten years and uh, and Can't Hardly Wait is kind of the tail end of it I can't say that it it would have been better or I can't say that it wouldn't have been better if it had an R but uh, I'm gonna go with Matt like I don't think it knocks it because I think it. I think it predates that era. Okay, okay and I, I I can totally make a concession there because this it's again it's such a personal opinion of mine. It's not right. it's very subjective. You know, it's not I'm not being objective at all when I'm having this opinion. <laughs> and yeah. I I don't I can't really say like bad stuff about the movie because it's right. it is a real it's a good movie. It's just mm-hmm. that I think it could have like. Special K is a rated R character. Like without <laughs> yeah. question, he's a rated R character. But he just yo, I gotta have sex tonight. <laughs> oh baby, please, you are I'll too fun. This says here ninety two percent of the honeys in UCLA <laughs> sexually active. That means ninety two percent of the girls walking around going class O sex. What shall I do? Ninety two percent, yo. <laughs> Oh, baby, like, please. I have a 92% oh chance of embarrassing myself. I roll up on that honey. I'll be like, what's up? She'd be like, you don't know 20 different ways to make me call you Big Papa because I don't, yo. <laughs> oh I swear God. to God I didn't read a word of that. That was absolutely glorious. I believe you. I, I, I love r- that movie so much. And, and that is one of the other big things I love about the movie. I, mm. I, I'm sorry that I got us on a soapbox and did a – Oh, got no, to, that's fun. That was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I um, said in the podcast Well, it was kind of was... douchey. I appreciate that you guys liked it. But, no. I, I mean, it's endlessly quotable. And, and yeah. that was one of the huge things about me at the beginning. It came to me at a time – where quotable movies were my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about the summer of 99 with Austin Powers 2. Right. Uh, two episodes ago. I love, love, love quotable movies and Can't Hardly Wait is absolutely one of those movies. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I mentioned in the pod chat that I was going to just basically, as I was watching it, I was telling you guys that I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to, when we discuss, I'm just going to speak in, in Special K, Kenny Fisher lines. Uh, but then you guys kind of stepped on that. So why you all got to waste my flavor? Damn. Damn. Um, uh, I had to get that in there anyway. Um, so yeah. And, and also worth mentioning Jennifer Love Hewitt hyphen hurt. Oh my God. She's so unbelievably hot. She is so like, even like late nineties, she was like the queen of the teen movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she even elevated a movie like Trojan War, which has, you can look it up on IMDb. It has like the lowest box office return, like of any movie ever. It was like the, one of the biggest flops of all time. Wow. Um, cause it like, it premiered in like maybe, I don't, I think maybe in terms of like screen per screen numbers, it just, was absolutely abysmal. You can't really find it anywhere. But she even elevated that. Like I was like, oh, she's so great. <laughs> um, that also had uh, um, the guy that played Eric in Boy Meets World. Okay. It, speaking of anyway. Boy Meets World, she was in an episode of Boy Meets World where she played Jennifer Love Pfefferman. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember that. In 1998, same wow. year as Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. You, this movie is so important to me. I remember the first time I saw it. Do you guys remember the first time you saw it? Uh, I may have like gotten it from the library or something and watched it in the living room. Yeah. I don't really, really remember specifics. Tell us about your first time, Mike. Well, it's I guess it's not that special. The 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 instance. It's just that I remember it so well because the movie was special. Mm-hmm. We used to spend the night at my friend's house. 
uh, there was like a group of four of us every other Friday and we would always pick a couple movies and watch them and hope to see some boobs or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and can't hardly wait. Funny enough, doesn't have any bare boobs in it. Right. Um, but it was still just so fantastic. And it was pre high school. I think we were going into eighth grade. It was like the summer before eighth grade, or maybe the summer before ninth grade. I don't know. Um, so we we couldn't connect so much to it, but I remember like trying to figure out who was whom in the group, like who was going to be <laughs> what character in high school. Oh wow! And as much as I wanted to be Preston, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I was more like one of William's friends. <laughs> uh, I would make the argument that you wouldn't even want to be Preston, spending you don't all think, yeah all That's four true. years going after one girl, not going after her, but just pining after her, pining yeah. for it. Yeah. Plus, at but graduation, then the end. The the end, it, you know, we can yeah. talk about how good Days and Confused is. You can mm-hmm. talk about how great American Graffiti was. But the payoff of this movie at the end, I, yeah. I, I mean, I get emotional every time. It's really sweet. It, it is. is. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great, yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first time I watched it, it didn't, I, it didn't really register with me because I just wasn't huh. too, too crazy about it. I know I borrowed it from Matt, and it was mm-hmm. like... It was several years after it came out. I think it was in high school when I borrowed it. Somewhere. Yeah, probably. I um, own like two or three copies of the DVD because they <laughs> released like a special edition one, and I was like, "Yep, I'm buying it." Um, I watched. I watched this a couple of days ago as well, and just one thing I noticed. It's it's a weird thing that I noticed, but <laughs> how many of the actors in it went on to be in like successful television shows? <laughs> like so, like so many yeah. of them went on to like. Being kind of hit shows. Jennifer Love Hewitt was on Ghost Whisperer Ghost or something Whisper, like that. Yeah. Uh, Ethan yeah. Embry on Brotherhood. Lauren Ambrose, Six oh, yeah. Feet Under. Seth Green, uh, Family Guy, Family and Man. Robot Chicken. Yeah. Um, Donald. Who is the most successful? Probably Seth Green, right? Yeah. Yeah. Al- yeah. Although the Peter Fascinelli was in all the Twilight. Twilight right. So we're talking about like who made the most money. Could yeah. be him. Yeah. More Donald- pride in projects, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Freddie Rodriguez was in Six Feet Under. Oh, yeah. Donald Donald Faison on Scrubs. Donald, Fa- can we talk about the band in the movie? <laughs> oh my and god! Also the music. Several times at shows before we would start a show, we would say one of two things. We would say, "This is our first show ever. Don't screw it up." <laughs> <laughs> or the more obvious, "Did anyone order a love burger? Well done." <laughs> God, that's fantastic. And it doesn't even like the Love Burger <laughs> thing makes makes sense. Like yeah. the ten people who saw Can't Hardly Wait at our show would get that. But the right. this is our first show, don't screw <laughs> yeah. it up. It doesn't even make sense. Like why the hell did they say that into the microphone? Right. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's fun. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. And the music is just phenomenal. It's um, the best. It's the best soundtrack. Uh as much as I love the Dazed and Confused soundtrack. The uh, the '90s alternative is is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, and yeah. I, and that's an I agree completely. Like some of the other the other the music in some of these other picks, like American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused, they're more iconic to just music culture, as I understand right. it. I'm, if we're saying objective, which is unfair because music is all subjective. Exactly. If we're saying objective, most people would say Dazed and Confused is the yeah. best soundtrack. But of the movies on this list, the music in Can't Hardly Wait just absolutely resonates much, much more with me, without question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it the best. The first song, yeah. Open Road Song by Eve Six. I mm-hmm. bought the album because of that song. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, I, w- I was watching this a couple of days ago, and I, I, was, I tweeted as I was watching it. I was like, 
I was like, there's a Smash Mouth song in this movie. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is there nothing of pop culture in the '90s that Smash Mouth did not simultaneously infiltrate and ruin at the same time? <laughs> yeah. And then later on, there's another Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth song. Nice. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's it is good. Like it's perfect for the movie though. Oh yeah. Like I'm not. Yeah, I'm not knocking the movie. Just the the music. The music. It sounds like you are though. Well, Um, (laughs) just a little. Just. And I remember uh, it. It has a Blink 182 song toward the end when when the party breaks up. Yeah, damn Uh, it. I was sort of into Blink 182 at the time. Like Mm -hmm. I I had discovered Enema of the State, uh, and I liked it a lot. But I was not full blown Blink 182 the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. And then when I went full blown Blink 182 nut, and I and I watched the end, and I'm like, that's an amazing scene. (laughs) It. I, as I was watching it, I almost tweeted this, but I didn't get around to it. But I was like, that's one of my favorite music drops in any movie ever, probably. Yeah. Because it's, so, it's so fitting and it's such a it's a great song. I remember the one Thank You Jade uh, uh, um, show that I went to. You guys did a cover of that. And I was like, it's like, swoon. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's so great. Yeah. Um, we did. That was actually that was actually one of the songs we played at our first show ever. Oh, nice! So, uh, that show, that show you went to was was kind of an anniversary show, so we wanted right. to pay homage to that, and also one of our favorite bands. Mm-hmm. And also, every time I play it, I, I think of that scene. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great in the movie, and I I, I love it. Um, and and it, the the Blink One Eighty Two trivia is that it uh it influenced Mark, the the bass player, co singer for Blink One Eighty Two, to write the song "Going Away to College." It's oh. dead when he after he saw that movie he went home and wrote going away to college that's awesome that's one of my favorite songs of theirs yeah honestly mm. yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty cool i like it um yeah so should we move on to our next one i guess we can i guess <laughs> uh mike you you mentioned that can't hardly wait is more kind of like your movie of this of this pack i i believe and uh and like well, you, it's it's the one I wish was. Okay, okay. The movie um, that is probably the one that I can relate to the most is, go ahead and say it. Super bad. Super bad. 2007? Um, mm-hmm. Chicka chicka, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. anyway um, okay, so maybe you can find the clip if you can steal it off of Facebook. Oh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, my best friend Dustin mm-hmm. uh posted a video from 2007 of me <laughs> saying proclaiming uh out loud and on camera oh, on yeah. record uh <laughs> i'll i'll cut it into this episode so if you want to set do. it up like please do it do yeah. it right here okay yeah so okay. this is a clip of mike saying making a bold statement about super bad we saw Superbad, and Sorry, it's my new, it's our new, I'm going to say what? it for you, it's you know our what? new favorite movie ever. And I've know- never said that. It took me years to say Rocky was my favorite movie, it took me four more to say Halloween was number one, and now, Superbad. Yeah, so your favorite movie ever, does that still stand? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it, it didn't stand, t- I mean, oh jeez, it's like embarrassing to say. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> back to the future and Halloween have always been like the two that bounce around back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Rocky was in there for a little while. It's, it's now back to the future and it's been back to the future for something like six years. Um, but 
something about Superbad, and I think it speaks to the movie and, and kind of why we're talking about this, mm-hmm. is that it was absolutely for me. Oh, Can't yeah. hardly wait. I was a little young for it. I discovered it later, and it's a far, far superior movie. But Superbad was exactly exactly how I experienced high school. High school. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was it – was, it was very much – it resonated a lot with me also for, for that respect. And one thing that I really appreciate for, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit in the discussion, but it doesn't, it doesn't strictly show like, like high school culture itself. It shows – it's from the perspective of high schoolers – high schoolers. Uh, I put a weird inflection on that. Um, it's from the perspective of high school students and, and from that perspective, but it spans so many different, if you, if you want to talk about like a party culture or whatever, it, um, it spans different like life points. Yeah. Uh, so you have like, you have like the house party at the end, the high school house party at the end, you have the kind of, kind of college slash post college kind of house party kind of, depressing scene (laughs) and you also have kind of like they go to a bar for for a little bit and it's kind of like i just i love that aspect of it it kind of it spans so many different things and it has all of these different maybe unintentionally or or intentionally it has kind of a running commentary on this kind of lifestyle that is kind of has a diminishing return in terms of funness or in mm-hmm. terms of enjoyment just general generally speaking which is something you don't really get because like like in our next movie we'll get to in a bit it doesn't really glorify any part of it um it's actually kind of a, a criticism on the entire uh culture of it as well as well as being very um authentic yeah i the you stole the words from my mouth nice. I, it's it's authentic <laughs> and it kind of lampoons the culture. Yeah. And you also I also don't get the sense that either of them are going to pursue those lifestyles. Yeah, me neither. Maybe uh, Seth, maybe, but then again I really don't think so. Yeah, it, they have a lot of good growth um in, in terms of character character development and all that cuz Seth is kind of this he's a he's a abrasive guy, but he I mean he comes out to be this insecure guy as well. Um that kind of he he kind of comes out of a shell of of insecurity and abrasiveness to kind of uh, embrace what his life is going to be. I guess I I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Uh, Tiny, what do you think of Superbad? Uh, I loved it, and like I think I don't think you should really feel embarrassed about your 2007 statement, Mike, because that's <laughs> the the movie just has that effect because it was just so unbelievably hilarious. Like yeah. yeah. I just remember, exactly. I I was crying laughing at so many different points in the movie. <laughs> um there's just too many to name. I mean I got um, a <laughs> told her what time it was <laughs> oh my god okay first like, are we really only gonna do mclovin quotes though? <laughs> well like, i need to say real i think quick, the the worst thing to come from super bad is mm-hmm. that it gave us that guy yeah it gave us christopher glenn's class yeah he's obnoxious in the movie but i need to say real quick that the whole the scene where he follows her and she turns around and he tells her what time it is that was me in high school that was, <laughs> was. me 
in my early 20s. That was you know, early 20s. But it, that was like, I was like, okay, this is the moment where I'm like, I'm in love with this movie. As well as the scene where Michael Sarah punches her in the boob. <laughs> <laughs> where he's where he's just so awkward and and he plays to his strength and that's one of the the reasons why that movie is so great for him is that it plays very much to what he's strong in in terms of acting um but i mean it just it resonated with me so much like i and you mentioned uh american pie is kind of like like another one of like kind of our movies of our time frame of our of our whatever um and at the time it was, and that like during high school, like I, I attached myself to American pie and I also really liked American pie too. I'm the one, um, <laughs> but super bad just kind of just blew that out of the water for me because it was so real to what I felt about, uh, high school social dynamics. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying absolutely. Same-sies. At the same-sies. at the end of the movie, <laughs> nice. when uh, when they go in their separate directions, and you know mm-hmm. that one of them's going off to college, and the other one is not, and they it's the girls that come in and they go their separate ways. That is exactly how it happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was perfect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the movie. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and like I said, it's just it was just so perfect for. I don't know. It it does encapsulate. Well, it's funny because you Matt talked about like the social differences and whatnot, and it's right. kind of funny because like I don't feel like it doesn't feel like like the standard like clicks mm-hmm. that you that you're so that you associate with high school, right. like nerds and jocks and and dropouts and potheads and all that stuff. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that's really that well established in this movie. It's not. Mm-hmm. Which so it's very similar to my high school experience. Really? Okay. There were there was a hierarchy, of course, but. Uh, it wasn't clicky like you see in a lot of movies, and I, and I think that is indicative of high schools today. Yeah, there there are absolutely types of people, but there's it's it's not like no one is allowed in to to change rank. Right, right. Allowed not to. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and we get the we get the John Milner effect in in the um uh, trademark by the way. Um, <laughs> no, uh, where I, the, the cops, Bill yeah. Hader and, and Seth Rogen, they're, um, kind of the old guys reliving their youth through, through McLovin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it gets to the point of being just absurdity and just really over the top, but it's they They play it so well. I mean, yeah. I mean like my brother's a cop and he would never, you know, do any of the stuff that they <laughs> did. Oh no, it's the cops. <laughs> Oh, I love God, that line don't know so that. much. Such a great line. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, he would never, you know, tra- crash his car and and you know, fire at it. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous to think like. I would like to see like an authentic sequel to that where they just are complete. Like they they couldn't get away with it. I don't see how they could get away with it. But but that's neither here nor there. That's not what the movie's about. But um, and it didn't detract from the movie at all. It was um. It was a good element to kind of bring it around and to kind of shepherd in this kind of um, different viewpoints of different time frames of, of parties in your life and all that. Um, I feel like um, I feel like the period blood scene oh, is should be as iconic as Jason Biggs f-ing the pie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say sure. it should surpass <laughs> it, but uh, I'm not sure that it does, which I think is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's a shame it is a shame um and one of my favorite one of my favorite things it's it's a really under underappreciated if not completely under the radar line is the two guys that they um that 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 notice the period blood on it there's a scene later where they're just sitting there and the guy on the left is like he's talking to the guy on the right and he's like there's a lot of reasons why I love you, man. You're handsome and you're a good friend. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, it's so, it's so weird and, and funny. And, um, if you, if you have the DVD or the Blu-ray of it, I highly recommend checking out the, um, commentary track. Cause it's, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Commentary is hilarious. Oh yeah. They do, um, like Jonah Hill, it's a fake thing, but he, he keeps, he keeps cursing on the commentary track and Judd Apatow has like his daughter there yeah. <laughs> and they basically throw him out. It's this kind of staged thing that's really funny, but they talk about how like Seth Rogen talks about how uh, the characters like he, he and he and Evan Goldberg, who wrote the script, they both wrote the script together. They were never like those characters. They were never Seth and Evan on there. They were more like the characters on the couch there. <laughs> and it just mm-hmm. it kind of puts an interesting slant on the on the movie. Um but yeah, check out the commentary because it's really funny. There's a line from the movie that I, I I I say it so much all the time now that like that like I forget that it's from a movie. Like I've adopted it as like something that I just say now. <laughs> it's I don't even remember the context. I wanted to watch this movie before we did this episode, but I didn't get a chance to. But uh, I think it's where they're at like the college sort of party where they're trying to get they're trying to get booze. Okay. And uh, it's the period blood party, <laughs> yeah. and. At one point, somebody says something to Jonah Hill, and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders, shrugs his shoulders, and he's like, "Fuck me, right?" <laughs> like I say that all the time now, and like I just forget that that's from that's this so movie. Fuck <laughs> me, right? Yeah, he's like, "I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta wash off this Merlot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a line? And then they're like, "What the fuck does it look like?" And he's like, "Fuck me, right?" <laughs> it's so funny. He, he plays it so well. It's great. It's just so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Milliner effect uh, from Can't Hardly Wait. Jerry O'Connell. Oh yeah, we forgot to talk yeah. about him. Oh, yeah. uh, Trip Trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. Perfect name. Yeah, <laughs> oh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he's fantastic in it. Um, I'm sorry. I was waiting for an opening to say that because we have oh, no, we have to funny. say that in every oh, movie. Yeah, totally. Trip uh, McNeely. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's got on like the frat polo shirt and stuff yeah. yep Sperry's and uh some khakis yeah, yeah. perfect uh, great yep. stuff so um, yeah super bad's good yeah super bad's a good movie <laughs> your mind has uh, huge tits uh, <laughs> sorry um after that a lot of the things i quoted were the uh just the the um the proclamations of love between the two of them, mm-hmm. like what, at, at the end when they're kind of when they're kind of still drunk, but also yeah. kind of waking, like when they're hungover, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's talking about how he just wants to shout it from the roof tra- rooftops, <laughs> right. how much he loves it. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, so perfect. Great. It's beautiful. You want to go on my roof? Um, yeah, I, I love it so much. Um, <laughs> also, the unrated version is, and the word is, blowjay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. The unrated version is really funny. Although they kind of they put a little too much eff- emphasis on uh on people telling them, "Oh, it must be uh you guys must it must suck not going to the same school next year." It, there's like three times in the first 20 minutes where a character tells them in the unrated version like, "Oh yeah, you guys are going to go crazy next year, right?" I'm like, mm, kind of overdoing it. That's a yeah. minor complaint though. Uh-uh. Um so yeah, so should we close the book on Superbad? 
I think so. Yeah. All right. So now we are left with our 2010s uh, movie for uh, this thing. There's a squirrel. Um, anyway, uh, 2000, was it 12 or 11? 12. 2012's Project X. One of the one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. One Wow. Yeah. I Yeah. It was really incredibly bad, incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And uh and the the character of Costa oh is one of the most evil and vile characters in a movie I have ever seen in a movie. I yeah, I I've I don't think I've hated a character more than I hate him. I yep. I just there's he's irredeemably just bad and the writing is so bad that when he has that moment of like that standard like oh I'm a douchebag but hey I have a soft side kind of thing he doesn't play it well at all it, it's not it doesn't come through at all it's just right. so disingenuous and so right ugh. the movie itself is just basically I put in the pod chat that it's um. Basically, hey, let's make a movie about some kids that have a party all night. This mega huge party all night. And then like another disembodied voice says, "So what about the plot?" And then the first one says, "I just told you it." Yeah. Um because there's nothing else going for this movie. And Tiny, you mentioned the love interest in the pod chat as another as a as an example. Eh, it's <laughs> hollow to me. It's they establish it they have their little tryst during the party, and then she just suddenly just forgives them the next day. And even the parents are just, there's this whole thing where the parents think he's a loser, and so the dad sort of forgives him at the end because it means he's cool. So the basically the whole theme of the movie is that, hey, do whatever you want, but uh, popularity is the most important thing for you, which is just really not right. So what did what tiny Project X <laughs> go nuts? You know, <laughs> I, I'm really surprised, especially from Matt. But I, I didn't know that you disliked it so much, Mike. But Matt like hates this movie, and like he's <laughs> he's talked so many times about it. And <laughs> what 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 well, the problem I have with what Matt doesn't like about it is that like he always talk. You always talk about um the character. First, the the mm-hmm. Costa character, Costa, Costa. and let me say, I've only seen this movie once, and it was like when it came out, so it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's strange to me that you kind of let the one character ruin the whole movie. Because he's that bad. He's. I really don't yeah. think he was at all. Really, I know that guy. I've seen that guy at these parties so many times, and yeah, I hate him too. He's a d bag, but I never let him ruin the party. Well, that's right. What, so, but maybe there's a bit of fantasy that I want in my movies to keep, even even the villains in movies to keep them at, at least not too real life awful. Yeah. And that's that's something that uh, I, I think I'm stepping over what you guys are about to talk about in a second uh, so we can go back and then come back to mine if you guys don't mind. Sure. I really, really, really think this is one of the best examples of movies that are very indicative of their time. I think this yeah. is the best example of a representative of its decade. And that is sad. Sad, yeah. sad, sad. <laughs> and yeah. l- let me say, I'm not, de- not going to defend the movie because I didn't think it was good either. I didn't mm-hmm. like like the movie a lot it's definitely without a question the bottom of this list we're making for this episode um 
But I, what I, I'm just kind of giving your guys' opinions friction that here, right, and, right, and, and it's sure. like, honestly, and it's it's honest because my opinion is is different than yours. Um, right. and another one of the things that just worked so well for me for this movie is that having been to hundreds of parties, I would say, uh, the sort of the ebb and flow of the party, how it starts small and it gets bigger and everything keeps getting like one upped. Mm -hmm. Well, typically it's like, you know, you, you get to certain, you get to a certain point and then like, that's, that's where the party peaks. And, it's never anywhere near how far this this party goes in this movie, right. which is what's I think that's what's noteworthy about the movie, or that's the part of the movie that I like the most is that the movie literally ended with like a riot, like people yeah. probably died. There was millions of dollars worth of property damage. There was uh, a car in a pool. There was a fire in a whole neighborhood. Like that's I really appreciated the epicness of that party. I mean, um, I, that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. None of it was interesting or funny. Okay. And that yeah. is my uh, – he does – Costa does ruin the movie for me, but he is not the, the chief reason I hate the movie. The reason I hated the movie is because I was bored to tears. Like mm -hmm. if, if I wasn't shocked at how stupid these characters were being and how annoying these characters were, it was, it was bored. It was like that's not funny. I know they think that's funny, but it's not funny at all. It's not clever. It's not smart. It's not witty or, or any, anything that you could, you could substitute, any synonym for smart. <laughs> and it I, was none of those things. I, I didn't. I never laughed at the movie. Okay, and I, I can totally. I can't argue against any of that. It's just mm -hmm. that clearly this movie wasn't made. You're not instant. You're not an instant demographic. Right. Like this movie just was so wasn't for you that you can't even appreciate it at all. But it was kind of for how I was in high school at that time. So that's why I can appreciate parts of it. <laughs> It's uh, it's worth mentioning that this I'm reading the trivia page on on IMDb for it. It's loosely based on the house party of Corey Worthington in Australia. Uh -huh. Yeah, the then teenager yeah. posted the address of his house party on MySpace, attracting more than uh, attracting around 500 people and caused over twenty thousand dollars in property damage. His party attracted journalists and was widely disliked by the public, having been assaulted by a group of teenagers after the events. Um, and that scene at the end with Costa the news interview thing that's that's a direct parody of a news uh, interview that the guy gave in in real life but um to your point about tiny about um costa ruining the movie for me he was the most vocal problem i had with the movie um, okay cuz it it what I love about these movies, why I'm so attached to these movies is a, the kind of, um, coming of age tale of, well, this is really the only point coming of age tale of a guy or a, a, a characters who are coming to terms with their, their small town atmosphere, their, their, their high school graduating from high school to a bigger, world around them um whether that manifests itself in terms of a small town or a small community of 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 peers or their their last chance to get the girl of their dreams that kind of thing there was absolutely none of that in this movie this the entire the entire direction that this movie took was that yes let's make a party movie let's make this let's make this movie as crazy and outrageous as we can Let's have this. Let's have this one character drink out of the pimp chalice because no one has ever looked like a douchebag doing that. <laughs> um, 
and let's have him be the least likable person ever. Let's put a let's put a little person in an oven and have him punch everybody in the nuts because market research shows us that people love it when people get punched in the nuts by little people. Uh-huh. It's it's all to a point that's not a creative endeavor. Like Mike said, it's not nothing about the movie is smart or witty or clever or anything like that. It's all in service to escalation like you said about escalating the party and everything it's all in service of escalation it's it's like barney's mixtape on how i met your mother it's all (laughs) rise and when you have that there's no de-escalation there's no denouement or anything like that there's no no conflict resolution there's no payoff payoff. yeah there's no payoff yeah and let let me say again mm -hmm. you guys are right (laughs) you really like i don't even think there's really opinion here objectively (laughs) this movie sucks but i just wanted to point out there's a couple parts i liked what you're saying basically is that project x is better than star wars you can go ahead and say it (laughs) yeah we can let's put that on record (laughs) and again that for a sound bite project x is better than star wars according to tiny of the obsessive viewer podcast (laughs) um and and again the the as a as a person who went to hundreds of parties Mm -hmm. it's just sometimes it's and I, i i agree I realize the movie does not make this point right but sometimes you just want to have a party where you just have the story years later or months later yeah. when you're talking to your friends i i have stories of like epic shit that me yeah. and my friends did that was stupid nothing quite to this level right. obviously but just it i i love that i went through those experiences and then i can okay. have those stories and i feel like this is like a story that some dude is telling of a party that he threw once it's it's funny because yeah. i have kind of a i can respect that opinion i understand that com- that opinion completely but my experience with with parties in in high school and and all that is just I was bored throughout most of them. <laughs> um, so I kind of resonates more with me for super bad. That's why that resonates more with me is that it's kind of that tone of the party of of those movies, uh, or that movie. The parties in the that movie is uh, in contrast to the tone of the party in in this movie. I never drank out of a pimp chalice. Let me say that too. Thank you. Ever. You were in... I drank out of a boot once. Not not a f- actual fit, like, you know, like the boot from Beerfest. Oh, yeah. Oh, das yeah. Boot. Me too. Das boot. Das boot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Project X. It, and I the hackneyed love story, and it was so... It was an afterthought to everything. It was like, okay, well, we need something to make this have some kind of emotional resonance for the character, I guess. And the, even the setup. I mean, Costa... Costa... Douchebag is so 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 unlikable like you said like oh yeah you know people like that yeah but not to that degree like in the first scene of the movie he he takes he takes the kid's toothbrush on what is later revealed to be his birthday and rubs it on a bar of soap before have before pulling the shower curtain on him while he's in the shower while they're filming it and i'm like you're an ass dude uh my my problem and my biggest worry is that uh, this movie was kind of popular, and we've said this word a hundred times on this episode, indicative, mm-hmm. um, it, is how indicative it was of teenage culture now. The movie itself was bad, mm-hmm. and I think kids today are pretty <laughs> shitty. and I worry that people like look up to these. They, I, I know several, uh, several people – I'll say, uh, who thought this movie was hilarious. And that is heartbreaking to yeah, me. Yeah, that is, yeah. Right? Like, 
I don't have a problem with the bad behavior. The bad behavior is right. over the top. I don't think it ever gets that bad. And I think people who let it get bad often pay the price for letting it get that bad. My problem as a movie fan, as a lover of fine entertainment, movies like American Days and Confused and Can't Hardly Wait, mm-hmm. that people think this is the movie that represents their generation on a one-night party movie. Yeah. That's hard. Agreed. Heartbreaking to me. Agreed. Yeah. It's because I think it is very indicative. Yeah, it's very heartbreaking. And if it's I, – I want to believe that it's not indicative. I really do because I – because they're <laughs> I did so too. unlikable. But so, I, I got another thing to tell you, buddy. Oh it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> so – if you're a part of this generation and you're listening to this, please write a better movie to replace this in my theory. Because <laughs> um, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Cloverfield would have been a better choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. A party uh, for the monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it's, I mean, yeah. It's a sad statement on on. Screw you guys! It's yeah, awesome. That we, <laughs> that we ended with this movie. I know, and we've been running for like an hour and forty three. We skipped potpourri last week. Do you guys want to run through a quick potpourri? Uh, we just probably this should. We yeah. should, yeah. I feel kind Although of, this could get long. Ah, that'll be fine. All right. I'll just we'll each just pick one thing and we'll talk briefly about it. Um, okay. Hopefully we can get this in under two hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, potpourri section where we talk about what we like or what we've watched, what we're looking forward to, anything that we want as long as it smells good. Uh, rapid fire, lightning round. Mike, what is your potpourri? Go. Uh, I saw Godzilla just recently. So do we. Uh, and reviews are wildly mixed. They are they are so split. It is people people use the phrase "love it or hate it" often, uh, and this is the best example of a love it or hate it movie that I've seen in a while. And I fall on the hate it side. Uh, oh, yeah. I found it to be uh, a test to my endurance. Uh, the the middle the second act of the movie sagged so hard, so <laughs> hard that uh, that I was just begging for the movie to come to some sort of climax. Um, it's, I, I won't spoil much, but I think by now it's no spoil to say that, um, the, the first monster you see is not Godzilla. Right. And I didn't like that Godzilla at times felt like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of wish it was more about his destruction. Also, there is a plot line with Brian Cranston's character that's, that was shown in the trailers about how, um, he is arguing with people about whether or not the, uh, this tremor that happened was Godzilla. That was the movie I wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, and it takes a, a dramatic turn, uh, to the contrary, mm-hmm. um, uh, f- at the end of the first act of the movie. Uh, and the movie was worse for that. So, so I was left very disappointed. There's some very, very cool scenes, some really, really interesting CGI, particularly at the end. Uh, there's, there's yeah. monster fights and, and that was pretty fun to watch. Uh, but overall, the, the, the secondary protagonist, uh, that they wind up choosing was not interesting. Not the right. movie that I wanted to see. And I was left, uh, absolutely disappointed. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, you say it's a love it or hate a movie, and I can see that. I honestly, I was kind of just in the middle ground. I thought it was pretty good. I, I doubt I won't buy it. Uh, I doubt I'll see it again. Maybe if the when the sequel comes out, I might revisit it. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of made me come to terms with. I love the first Godzilla, the original Godzilla from 1954. We watched it in film class. 
uh-huh. um, at USI. I loved it. And I own it on DVD. I wanted to revisit it, but I just didn't get around to it. But it was just, I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe considering this and my feelings toward Pacific Rim, maybe I'm just not a kaiju kind of guy. <laughs> I, I guess uh, not. Yeah. Although I loved Cloverfield. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. And there, there are elements of kaiju scenes uh, mm-hmm. that I think are terrifying. And um, Matt Zoller Seitz is a reviewer. I think is the head reviewer on RogerEbert.com. I think he okay. took over uh, for the late Roger Ebert, who I've said multiple times is a personal hero of mine. Right. Anyway, uh, Matt Zoller Seitz and I do not see eye to eye. And hmm. I, I would like to meet this guy and have a conversation because he loved the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he thought the movie was all about what it would be like to be a person uh experiencing this happen and and i think that was a strong shortcoming of the movie uh especially elizabeth olsen who Mm -hmm. is always great except when she's supposed to look at a green screen and pretend to be scared (laughs) (laughs) she was not good and and i never felt like i was on the streets watching any of this happen i I felt like that was a shortcoming and matt zoller sites apparently thought it was a strength so uh, i i think there are we all saw the same movie just people like things about it and then I didn't like them. I, I'm very confused by the reaction of this movie. I, I thought it was a poorly done movie. Interesting. It's, Tiny, you saw it twice. I, I've seen it twice, yeah, because I, I originally was going to go see it with my dad, but he uh, he recently, um, he was off work for a while. He had surgery. He went back, and his schedule's all screwed up, so I, I went and saw it with Matt first. Um, anyways. I was consolation prize. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, I... If if Mike says it's love it or hate it, I loved it. Um, but okay. I don't I don't know if it's quite there. I I, I definitely didn't love it. <laughs> um, I liked okay. it a lot though. It that, it just I didn't mean to be so. No, you're fine. I'm just device, but I'm. It's kind of like tiny trolls, tiny trolls, Mike episode sort of. So <laughs> I was sticking to that. Um, no, I. I, I agree. I like with I like what you said, I, but it sort of sounds to me um, like you kind of had very solid expectations for it going in. Um, right, but the trailer. Uh, necessitated that. Uh, yeah, I can't really I remember think the trailer. trailer. Sets it up to be a certain movie. Okay, I can't say too much without spoiling. That's right. fair. Yeah, that's fair. I can't really remember the tra- the trailer with much specificity, but I had like no expectations, and I that it totally worked in my favor. Um, and and I I have such little experience with the franchise because I've never seen the original. Um, I've I've only seen pieces of some of the other like Japanese sequels. I think the 1998 one with Matthew Broderick is way too highly panned. I think it's a fun movie. I actually like that movie quite a Thank bit. Thank you for saying that. I was going to say, I think it's better than this new one. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Because I, they had a vision and huh. stuck to it. Okay. I would say it, it was the movie they exactly set out to make. It's okay. not great, but I, I was more engaged in that movie. Now I haven't seen it in several years, so I could yeah. be way off base. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, oh, I'd say that. I'd say they're like pretty much on par, to be honest with you. In, in my okay. opinion, the two movies. Okay. Um, I, it just this this most recent one hit so many marks that I wanted from it. Um, specifically, just I I loved how well they demonstrated the scale of the monsters you could feel their size and it, all of the monsters are the biggest they've ever been in the franchise mm-hmm. so that was that just I'll give you that that worked for me so well um but there's so many there were so many issues with the movie um I don't want to go all th- go through all of them but um th- it had a lot of flaws that that did bother me especially seeing it a second time mm-hmm. um but 
um, I don't know. It, it just it worked for me. Um, my my expectations were so I didn't even know that there were other monsters in it right. going into it. I had no idea, uh, and it was a nice surprise for me. It worked. Yeah. It worked out. So I, I I did like it quite a bit, and I'm glad they're making a sequel. I want to see I want to see more, and and maybe it'll have the stuff you want in the sequel, Mike. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll they'll hit those marks. Yeah, I don't know that it will. I think yeah. one of my big problem was was the the other monsters. Oh, really? Okay. And yeah. and that. Because the first movie was all about Godzilla being this destruction thing. Yeah. He didn't really become king of the monsters or, or any kind of savior figure until the until later on. Yeah, okay. Um, and so I was, ex- you know, expecting a redo of the first one. Yeah. Okay. I I can I can I agree that I wasn't that crazy about it or anything like that. But in that, I was I was refreshed by the um, the addition of other monsters because I feel like if it had just been Godzilla destroying the world and all that it kind of i there's a level of destruction fatigue that i feel like i would i would have felt during it that mm-hmm. when it's when when it's more a playground for a big monster fight that's more to my uh sensibilities for monster movies right now mm-hmm. um, there yeah. were scenes where they shied away from showing uh certain scenes of destruction and that really disappointed me <laughs> like it would you would see them walk and you're like oh this is gonna be huge and then of course they, they would like cut to somebody's screen somebody's tv screen right yeah. yeah so yeah so that's godzilla so yeah we we had mixed feelings about it for yeah. the three yep. of us uh tiny rapid fire lightning round potpourri sure go. this will be really quick it's uh it's actually more of a recommendation uh, a Netflix movie, a Netflix instant movie. It's a documentary called Sons of Perdition. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a couple years old. It's about um, these kids who escape from a uh, Mormon polygamist commune in uh, Utah. Um, they literally escape and they try to make their way in the world as teenagers. It follows them for two years. Um, and it's about these kids who are dealing with essentially having to be adults and uh, all the being exposed to a world and a culture and a lifestyle that they didn't even know existed because they were so sheltered in this commune um, and trying to help their other siblings and their mothers and their aunts try to escape from these awful men who treat their, their progeny like cattle. It's uh it's, it's a, it's an eye opening, uh, a very eye opening documentary about the issues that arise with, with such strict polygamy rules um it's it's really interesting uh, i highly recommend it nice i'm glad you brought that up because i, I forgot about it. it's called sons of perdition yes on Netflix yeah, yeah which is apparently a reference to some kind of mormon uh, some kind of catechistic mormon rule or something i don't okay. know it's weird so it's uh, not the sequel to road to perdition <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs> so was i when i watched it nice. yeah. stole my joke <laughs> sorry so, yeah it's watch right. it you can have it watch it it's good all right cool um for me, rapid fire, potpourri, um, that awkward moment. Um, oh, that movie's so good. I loved it so much. <laughs> um, huh. I am a sucker for a good rom-com, and I love Michael B. Jordan, uh, Miles Teller, who I forgot to mention is in Project X as Miles Teller. <laughs> He's not himself, but they were so lazy they couldn't come up with a name for the character. Um, but anyway, so it's a fun it's a fun rom-com through from the perspective of, of guys and it's, it's kind of a fun, uh, uh, dissection or treatise, I guess on, um, on dating and, and stuff like that. It's it. I, I, I was tickled by it. 
Um, Zephron is in it. Zephron, oh. yes, I forgot about Zephron. Oh this, my god, that dude. Have we talked about neighbors on this podcast? Not we yet. haven't. We 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 should. We'll There's talk not about that. Time. Yeah, we'll talk about that at PopCon. Um, I wish I could hate Zephron because uh, he's too. too hot. It's not fair <laughs> he how is. hot he is, but yeah. he, I can't because he's he's a awesome guy. He's a fun actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that. I'll probably buy it. We I'll revisit it. And we'll talk. Maybe we'll do a rom com episode. Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh yeah, thank you. We yeah. have to. Yes, yeah. oh, I'm so glad you guys are up for that. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been planning it for decades. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll go ahead and just count us out. Yep. Uh, if you're still listening. Yep. <laughs> um, as always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Uh, this is Matt. You can find me on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny is at Obsessive Tiny. Mike is at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook. Find us uh, at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer. Also, thank you to Star Tissue for providing our opening theme music. You can find more of their music at soundcloud.com slash Star Tissue. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us out a ton, and it takes you like two seconds. Uh, And We'll love you forever. Um, And maybe we'll read your review on on the podcast. Any incentive? (laughs) And vote for us for Podcast of the Month on PodcastLine.com. You can also check out the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where the last week I reviewed every X-Men movie in the franchise in the lead-up to Days of Future Past. It was very stressful, but I had a lot of fun doing it, Um, even though I had to watch The Last Stand in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, Yeah. Also on the website, you can find reviews of every episode of Bates Motel and every episode of the second season of House of Cards. Also check out our House of Cards bonus episode of the podcast if you're up to date on that show. Uh, Not to mention on the site, you'll find plenty of movie reviews and industry commentary. And also check out obsessivebooknerd.com if you're into reading and you want a website that is devoted to book reviews and commentary on the ever-evolving world of reading. Also check out Tiny's side project, thesecularperspective.com, where we talk about uh, religion and secularism in the world today. Uh, healthy debates about both of those topics. Uh, and finally, if you have any thoughts on the podcast or suggestions for future topics, you can also email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. This episode is being released on the Wednesday, October. October. Wow. <laughs> Wednesday, October. Wow. Wednesday, October. I did not sleep that much today. No, uh, yeah, October 28th. So two days from now, if you're listening on the day we come out, the episode comes out. May 28th. Did I say October again? You did. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> May 28th. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out, join us at Indie PopCon at the Indianapolis Convention Center. If you're in the area, we're going to have a booth with giveaways. We're going to have live recordings. We're going to be on the podcaster stage Friday afternoon from 2.30 to 3.30, uh, I believe. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be awesome. It's first year here, and they are expecting a good turnout. So check us out at Indie PopCon. Our booth is, like, if you're wise to the schematic of it it's like booth 830 okay that about does it can we end this some bitch <laughs> uh, let's right. do it i feel like there's a kenny fisher line that we oh can baby see. please <laughs> you are too fine the boots those two rolls over there all going over who gets to be lucky one <laughs> nine Nah, <laughs> uh, all right, well, thank you for listening. Yo, Kareem, baby, what's up? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you. Yeah, please go see Can't Hardly Wait. Yes. Yeah. Go watch that movie. Uh. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys don't absolutely. hate me, do you? <laughs> oh.
I do. I do hate Matt for saying. Well, that you know, he was better than Star Wars. Go <laughs> f- yourself. <laughs> so that. Go f- that was perfect delivery. Go f- yourself. Fantastic. Nice. Uh, no, that was. It was awesome. It was.